Happy Sunday, Kim Boomhauer. Indeed. Welcome to the Resident Report. I'm your man, Izzy, right here on the Built-In Buffalo Network. Now, as you see, I got my Choose Love shirt. Rest in peace to all those who passed away in the uh, Buffalo shooting. So I got my shirt on to represent for them. God bless them and their families. Uh, may they rest in peace. Uh, people love and hate the Josh Allen jumps. Or people love those Josh Allen jumps. I hate them. We need Josh healthy. Uh, I have a love-hate relationship with them. I, I love to see them as in how great they look, you know, and, and how how his son's defender is doing it. But I don't like the fact that he does it because it is dangerous. So I'm with you, and I'm both not with you, Mr. John Herring. Love to see it. My man Ronnie, I believe you meant Izzy. <laughs> not Iggy. Uh, but, you know, I, hey, man, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I hope you're doing well, too, Ronnie. All right, well. The premise of today's show is the Buffalo Bills wide receivers and tight ends. We're here to discuss where they're going, who we have, who we intend to keep, and what they are what they have done before, right? This is about, you know, statistics, fit in the culture. It's all good, Ronnie. You know it's all love. I hope you're doing great, buddy. But you know, this is a this show is about you know, what they've done, where they've been, and where we see them going, right? Especially here with the Bills, right? We're Bills fans. You know, Jameson Crowder's with the Jets. We don't care what he did with the Jets, although we do take notice of what he did there and try to apply his skill set to this team, right? So I will be breaking down everything I think of when it comes to these wide receivers, tight ends, you know, basically the pass catchers who don't really line up in the backfield, right? So that being said, we're going to go ahead and get right into it because there are 16 players to break down. Um, some of them not so in- extensive and some of them more extensive than others. Uh, without further ado, my friends, here we go. I did another uh, presentation for you guys. Uh, I hope you appreciate it because this time I put a lot more time into it because last week's was offensive lineman, and there's really not a lot to that. You know, like there's not a lot of stats for that. You can look up pancakes if you want to, but, you know, Pancakes are nice, but they're they're just an indication of when you like you know handle defender to the ground. Uh, but really, not really much more effective than just handling your guy and keeping him off your quarterback or running back, right? Let's just call a spade a spade. It is what it is. I'll take that. If Iggy pops, then I pop, son. Let's go. <laughs> um, I'd like to give a shout out to my guys already in the chat. We got John Herrig, we got or Herring, we got Kim Boomhauer, my man Kim, we got Ronnie Enix, and we got Lone Wolf. Lone Wolf is always here for me. I love you, Lone man. You, all of you guys, man. You guys are you guys are my people. So, you guys rock with me. I rock with you. That's how it works, right? But without further ado, here they go. Now the slides didn't exactly transfer to Streamyard as well as they did in you know PowerPoint, but. Who cares? You know, the, the, the slides are just there really for informational purposes. So here we go. Number one off the bat, we all know it's Stefan Diggs, right? Stefan Diggs, surprisingly, his RAS score this year was only a 5.66. And I try and go with the most recent that I can find. Um, and that's exactly what I did. You know, his this year was a 5.66. Athleticism, I guess, is low for Stefan Diggs because it's an out of a 10 score. So 5.66, you think is kind of low for a number one wide receiver. My man. But as a 5.66 and running a 4.46, which isn't a super fast 40, but it's it's fast enough, right? Plenty of guys have been number one wide receivers who run slower than that, like Jerry Rice and a handful of other guys, right? That's just the first example I can think of. He ran like a 4.63, I think it was. Uh, you know, your 40 time matters for your draft spot, but it doesn't so much matter for your production in the NFL. Stefan Diggs is an animal, right? His real strength is his cuts, his ability to get in and out of motions and make the defender kind of go where he's not going when he does it. FGH, my guy. What's up, B? Love you, my man. Right? So he, he does not really succeed in straight line routes. Double moves, slants, curls, you know, um, 
sluggos, all those kind of things, which is basically a double move, but you know, slant and goes, uh, you know, post corners, corners. Stefan Diggs is a route running machine. You know, last this past year in 2021, he actually had a down year, right? He went in there uh, after he put up, what is it, 127 catches for 1,500 yards and eight TDs. This year, he only caught 103. Oh, gosh, such a downturn, right? Oh, such a downturn. Whoa. Uh, you know, only 1,225 yards. Oh, wow. You know, he's so, so bad. But 10 touchdowns, two more than last year. You know, I'll give you the 300 yards. Give me the two more touchdowns. I'll take that all day, every day, right? That means the man's scoring points. Diggs is next to the route runner. You damn right he is. Diggs is awesome. You damn right he is. Let's get some more. Give me some more of that, that lovely stuff that we love to hear about our boy, Stefan Diggs. The man is an absolute beast when it comes to running routes, when it comes to making defenders do something or think he's doing something that he's not going to do. I'm running a slant. No, I'm not. This is a slant out. This is a slant and go. This is a post. No, it's not. It's a post corner. This is a corner. Nope, it's not. It's a corner to a post. We're running outside. Nope. Guess what? I'm going in. Diggs is that dude. No matter what his rascal is, rascal is nice to know. Like, if you need to know if a guy's potentially going to have the physical traits. But just because someone has a low rascal doesn't necessarily mean that they're not going to produce. And you'll see some hints of that throughout the whole show. Right? Yes, Rascal does not, you know, include catching ability, I don't think. You know, I, I didn't see any of that on the, on the cards that I, uh, I saw, and I didn't want to transfer cards directly. So I actually typed out every single slide for this. This is what I do. That's right, only 1,225 yards. Guess we should trade him. Yeah, man, just, just get rid of him. Get him out of here. Get, get him out of here. He fights for it, Georgie. You damn right he does. He fights for it. But my man Diggs, there's not much to say about him. He is a superstar in the NFL. He's a top five wide receiver. He is a top three route runner. And when it comes to catching the ball, he drops so few passes. I, I have this saying, right? Number one wide receivers drop more passes than puberty. And that's a fact. If you look at most of the charts where number one wide receivers uh, or where wide receivers count their drops, number one wide receivers account for most of them. Now, you could say, well, they have more passes thrown their way. And, you know, they're going to drop more than anybody else because of that. Talk to DeAndre Hopkins about that. Talk to Stefan Diggs about that. Talk to, to Devontae Adams about that. Those people don't drop passes like that. Every now and then they'll drop them because they're in a weird position and they're trying to catch the ball, you know, back shoulder, jumping while having a defender draped all over them. Those you count them as a drop if you want to, but that's more of a pass defense if you ask me. Diggs doesn't drop passes, especially when he's open. It's just, it's just what it is. He may drop one a season. That was really on him. And that's just, you know, the reality of it. Stefan Diggs is a trooper. He is a team first guy. And everybody was saying before he got here, he's not. But this guy really has come to Buffalo, immersed himself in the culture, become best friends with the quarterback, and decided that he is not going to be here to BS around. He's going to be here to win a championship. He is a for real type of player. And if we were to trade him tomorrow, this guy, for real, for real, this guy would be out there and get two first-round picks for the Bills. He would get a Devontae Adams-type haul. Diggs is a true specimen, whether he has the athleticism or not. That's our guy, number one, no question about it. On to the next. Now, this man right here, we have a few more questions about because he's younger. Right? He hasn't produced as a number two wide receiver yet. He hasn't produced as a number one wide receiver. Heck, he hasn't really been a number three if you think that the slot guy is number three. So that means that Gabe Davis has something to prove. Now, Gabriel Davis has a higher rascal than Stefan Diggs at 6.88. His 40 time, a little slower, 4.54. Here's where I'd say that the numbers there don't necessarily translate to on-the-field production. He is a deep threat with a 4.5440. What does that mean? That means he's running a route, beating his guy, getting past him, and then getting the ball deep. That's what he does. And sometimes it's on the sideline, and he is Mr. Toe-Tap himself. He is like Lavernius Coles back in the day. I don't know if you guys remember Lavernius Coles for the Jets and the Redskins at the time. Um, but Lavernius Coles was a guy who would go out there, and he would have games where he wasn't that fast, and he wasn't you know, that strong or quick. But he could separate. He could catch the ball, toe-drag, 
and get out of bounds. And we were like, what the hell is this guy on? Like, what is he doing? Lavernius Coles was a specimen for the Jets and for the, uh, the the commanders of old who were the Redskins at the time. You know, the, as much as I hate the Jets and I really don't like the, the Washington team, it is what it is. You know, the guy was good. And that's one of the guys that Gabe Davis really reminds me of is Lavernius Coles. If you guys don't get a chance, if you guys don't remember him, go ahead and go on YouTube, look up Lavernius Coles, check out his highlights. Dude was good. Dude was good. He dropped the ball a little bit. And Gabe does too from time to time, but Gabe is still developing. And Lavernius Coles really panned out. You know, had a, had a solid career. Didn't have a whole lot of one thousand yard seasons, but we're not really expecting that from Gabe either. We're expecting Gabe to go out there, produce, get touchdowns when it's third down, convert the third down. You know, and really take half the field from Stephon Diggs. You know, if you're doubling Diggs, you're not doubling Davis. Davis beats one on ones. That's how it is. That's how it's been. So you have your guy to take away your uh, your guys you know, your, your, your double teams in Stefan Diggs, and now you have this guy eating one-on-one. This past year, he had 35 receptions, 549 yards, and six touchdowns, right? You can't really down that for the fourth receiver on the team. He had six touchdowns as the fourth option at receiver, and that's just that receiver. We're talking about tight ends on this show, too. So you're talking about Davis behind Diggs, behind Beasley, behind Sanders, behind Knox. And at times behind, you know, Singletary or Moss, who was out there. So there's there's a lot going on when it comes to Gabe Davis. I think that this year he will shine, and I'd, I'd put him somewhere between 800 and 1,000 yards with the increased role he'll have and with the double teams he's not going to see. And if he does see double teams, look out for digs. Look out for digs. This could be wild. Um, I do uh, expect to see improvement from him. Going from 549 to 800 isn't really um, anything to sneeze at. It's nothing to really look at and say, well, you know, could have been better. It could have been, but he's now he's now the number two guy, and he's got some help that we've brought in. We, you know, we dismissed Cole Beasley. Love Cole Beasley. You know, I think that Cole Beasley is still a good receiver in his league. He'll find somewhere, hopefully, for himself and make an impact on somebody else's team. He can go out there and help another young quarterback develop. Like if he was picked up by the uh, the Jaguars, say, so to speak, right? The, say the Jaguars pick him up. They're not, he's not going to win a championship. But he's going there to help Trevor Lawrence develop. Let's say the Giants pick him up. That would be a smart pickup for them. He'd give Daniel Jones a, same, a safety blanket. If you really want to give somebody like that a chance, say he goes to the Seahawks and helps Drew Locke. Give somebody a, a safety blanket. But instead, this year, we have signed wide receiver Jamison Crowder from the Jets. Now, last year was kind of a down year for him. His RAS score was 1.73 from last year, which is really low. But we've seen this guy ball. We've seen him, you know, take a freaking wide receiver screen to the house. He's not slow. He's also not super fast. He's shifty. He's not a small receiver. He's not a big receiver. He is a Diggs-esque size guy, 5'10", you know, 180. Not small, not big. But the 4'5", 6'40", you know, not bad. A little bit slower than Gabe Davis, but he's a slot receiver. He gets yards after the catch, right? And my man Dave says 100 targets gets him 1K yards. He's talking about Gabe Davis. I don't rem- I don't necessarily believe that Gabe Davis is going to get 100 targets. And uh, this guy, this man right here is part of the reason why. Uh, we're going to see him blow up out of the slot. He takes things to the house. So there's going to be fewer opportunities, especially if he has a house call on a slant, then what? You know, Gabe's not going to get the opportunity on that drive to receive a pass. So I think that that, that'll keep him under maybe 80 targets. And I think that gets him 800 yards. That's that's where I'm at with Gabe. 80 targets, 800 yards, nine touchdowns. That's what I think Gabe Davis is capable of this year. Could he do more? Yes. Could he do less? Yes. But that's, that's my target for Gabe. 80 for 800 and nine touchdowns. Now, Jameson Crowder, last year, 51 receptions. Not bad for a guy who was hurt quite a bit last year. 447 yards, you know, for 51 targets, that's a, that's about nine per catch. Or 51 receptions, that's nine per catch almost. Uh, no, that's about nine. 8.89, I'm doing the math in my head. Uh, two touchdowns, right? The Jets were miserable last year at quarterback. I'm sorry. 
This guy still got 51 catches while hurt and 447 yards of two touchdowns. With Josh Allen, that should really increase. Should be a big deal. My man Ronald Enix tell me he tells me he does remember Lavernius Coles. Google that guy. That's who the Gabe Davis reminds me of. If if I had an NFL comp and I'd never thought of it before, that's who it is. Lavernius Coles for Gabe Davis. I think Gabe Davis is faster than Lavernius Coles, though. Let me go ahead and look that up real quick. Lavernius Coles. Lavernius Coles. Nope. Lavernius Coles ran a 4 2. No, that's maybe in Washington. Oh, come on. 448. So Coles was faster. I was wrong. All good, though. Don't mind being wrong every now and then. But as a slot receiver, this guy, unlike Cole Beasley, gets yards after the catch. Cole Beasley was great on third down, though. So they bring a different acumen to the receiver position. Right? This guy does yards after the catch, so you may not even get the third down. If you get the third down, Beasley is an animal at catching the ball, getting down, and just ensuring that the chains move. I really like uh, Jameson Crowder as a pickup, especially with the Bills training facilities, the ability to go out there. Uh, you know, get dinged up maybe a little bit and then go to a world-class, top-of-the-line, possibly the best training facility in the NFL, period. Next up, Lil Dirty. I can't see his stuff. Oh, yeah, that, that's got to come down. I wanted to have this overlay, but you know what? If it don't work, it don't work. Well, I still can't see it. Okay, so his name's up there. Uh, Lil Dirty. Uh, RAS score of 6.71 this past year, 40 time, 4.42. So as of this point, he's the fastest guy we've covered so far. And his stats extend past just being a typical wide receiver, right? His stats, 20 receptions, 178 yards, so about nine yards per, per reception. Again, if he had two more yards, it's exactly nine yards. Uh, he had one touchdown reception, but then he had 38 rushes for 175 yards, almost the same amount of rushing yards as passing yards but three rushing touchdowns in his end of rounds and whatever else he ran 19 returns 147 yards and uh was it zero uh, 147 return yards no touchdowns he almost had one against pittsburgh but a little dirty you can look at him and he's probably going to step up into that gabe davis role of last year where gabe davis was the guy who they called in you know to be that fourth guy on the field that you had to really atone for and really watch out for and guard him to ensure that we didn't eat you up alive. Last year when uh, McKenzie came in against the Patriots, he ate them alive. They couldn't do anything about him. Right? You had Diggs out there. You had Beasley out there. You had Sanders out there. McKenzie ate. When we went to New England, he ate all over the field on them. He, he seems to have earned a more prominent role in this offense. Oh, shit. Y'all showing stats. What's the discussion? I'm late as fuck. Okay. Oh, pardon my French. Uh, so the discussion is wide receivers and their previous, you know, accomplishments and what we expect for them to accomplish in the future with the Bills. Right? Now, with Little Dirty, we have now gone through our top four receivers on this team. Right? We got a little dirty. His numbers, kick return, punt return, receiving, and running. I, I expect to see maybe still some running from him, but you'd also see Jamison Crowder do some. And we also have some other wide receivers who could potentially do something with that too. Moving on. Kair, or excuse me, Khalil Shakir. Uh, Kair, wow. Uh, Kair, Khalil Shakir. With a RAS score 8.71, the highest one so far. The man is fast, 4-4 speed. And I got his NCAA stats because, of course, this man is a rookie coming in, right? No problem, bro. Man is fast, right? I don't know how he got to the fifth round. No one does. We've said this before. I'm not going to jump on that train again because I've said it too many times. How did he get there to the freaking fifth round? How did we earn the ability to trade up in the fifth round and get a guy who should have been gone in the third. I don't know. And frankly, I don't care at this point because he's ours. We got him. He's going to be on his team, and I believe he's going to shine. But his last year in the NCAA with Boise State, 2021 season, 77 receptions, 1,117 yards, seven touchdowns, 
21 rushes for 130 yards. You could see this guy take some of those handoffs and uh, coming off of a wide receiver jet screen or jet jet sweeps. You could also see him in wide receiver screens, which oftentimes because the quarterback's throwing a backwards count and there's a run, you could see some real, you know, different looks from wide receiver Khalil Shakir. This guy could be the gem of the draft, and we could have got him in the fifth round, which we did. And people will be like, why didn't we take him in the third or fourth when we had that pick? Why did we take this other guy who's a bum? Just kind of like uh, when, you know, DK Metcalf got passed over by so many teams, and now he's a beast. You know, a lot of guys ended up being that guy where they didn't get drafted, and all of a sudden teams are like, we should have just took him. We, we had him high, but we had this need. We took the need. You know, yeah, Bills are guilty of that too. We took uh, Cody Ford instead of uh, DK Metcalf. So it is what it is. All right, my son had to ask a question. So Khalil Shakir, this guy come in, could come in here and do some real damage. Uh, I have him as a lock to make the roster as of now. You know, he's made some solid plays in OTAs, and I see him developing into a very nice piece for Josh. He could also potentially take over that Gabriel Davis role that was, you know, especially at his size, a six foot. He's 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 very close to Davis's size. He's a little smaller when it comes to weight. He's only about two hundred pounds, but Davis is only like two ten. So yeah, I'm I'm happy with it. David is gonna rock as a number two receiver. Davis, okay, Davis is gonna rock as a number two receiver. Crowder is underrated. Shakir might be short, but is Shakir's not short? He's six foot. That's Diggs's size. He's not small. Not not small at all. You know, uh, he better make the damn roster. You damn right he's going to make the roster. That, that, that boy's going to come in here. He's going to put in work. That's a military family kid, man. He, he His father taught him some values. This guy right here, military dad. I got two daughters who went to college on scholarships. I don't pay a damn thing for their, their college. And they can go to state schools for free. It is what it is. Next is Tavon Austin. Now, these next few are not in any order. I All I know is the top five guys who are going to make the team. The rest of these guys are fighting for the sixth or seventh slot. So, wide receiver Tavon Austin. I did not center this up here. Damn it. Always one mess up. Always one, at least. So, wide receiver Tavon Austin. Rascal a 6.5. 40-yard dash time of 4.34. The fastest wide receiver on the team. Wow. 4.34. So, we have a 4.3 wide receiver. Uh... Last year, 24 receptions, 213 yards, and one touchdown. Very quiet season from our guy, Tavon Austin. He was in the Jaguars, so it was very easy to, you know, miss him. You know, the Jaguars were pretty terrible. They beat us, but, you know, they, they were pretty terrible. Uh, there's no excuse for them to beat us, and I'm pretty upset. Woo, military dad here. Son got scholarship to San Diego State. That's what I'm talking about, son, right? That's how you do it. That's how you do it. But Tavon Austin, he's he's – most likely coming to compete for the return job and also possibly some, you know, some end around duties, some gadget plays, especially with his speed and with this offense and the, the, the way we run things, this guy right here, he could really, really, really go out there and, and make an impact on the team, especially if used properly. I don't think he's ever really been used properly in his career. Plus he's dealt with injuries again, coming to a team with the, uh, the coaching staff and the, the, uh, training room that we have, which I'm harping on again, he could stay healthy and he could really make an impact on his team. Congrats to your boy. Yes, sir. Congrats to your boy. Uh, I'm very happy whenever, you know, we see our youth succeed. But Tavon Austin, very solid pickup for the Bills. I'm happy to have him. Now, Marquez Stevenson, which is spelled Marquez, but, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll call him Marquez. Uh, his mama called him what she wanted to call him. That is what it is. Uh, 5.39, you know, RAS score, 40-yard dash, a 4.48. So about average for wide receivers, you know, 4.48, 4.5. That's the average. Uh, you know, he had 14 returns last year, 132 return yards, no TDs. He was just a return man. That's that's what he was. You know, uh, he could play receiver in the future, developing on the practice squad. And I think that's where he ends up. But it's possible that he beats out uh, – Tavon Austin, McKenzie, you know, whoever else for the return job, but it could also be Khalil Shakir. You never know. Uh, I really do like uh, Marco Stevenson in that role. 
Uh, he just needs to do his due diligence to hold the ball better. He's got to hold on to that ball better. But with almost 10 yards per return, you know, not mad at it. My man, John Herring, give us a story about his son. Yeah, yeah, Torres ACL, his senior year of high school, but still went to win two semi-pro titles in Oregon. Okay, there you go. Go. Kid doing big things. Good luck to him in his future endeavors. That's a beautiful thing. Proud dad right there. Next, touchdown Jesus. Jake Kumaro, wide receiver. Rask over only 3.95, 40-yard dash of 4.54, just a little slower than Gabe Davis. Um, you know, but I don't know if we expect him to make the team, but he could potentially be the sixth receiver. Um, I think it's going to be tough for him because of the kick return duties, especially with the Tavon Austin on the team and, and Marquez Stevenson. But if he goes out there and shows that he can be the fourth receiver and, you know, relegate McKenzie down to returns or and gadgets, that could push somebody else off the team, like a Tavon Austin or like a uh, Marquez Stevenson. So there, there's a shot for touchdown Jesus to make the team. He had two receptions last year for 28 yards. Uh, he had more yards the year before with the Bills on one catch and a touchdown uh, when he scored against the Broncos. But, you know, he's he's more of a, I guess, he might be one of those coach-type players who you have on the roster to help develop other players. He could have a value in that sense where he's helping people learn. There's, you know, there's a lot to appreciate with Touchdown Jesus. I really think that he could potentially make himself a spot on his team. He's a little older. I think he's 31, 32 years old. Um, but he tries his hardest. He's also pretty good on special teams, uh, you know, the coverage units specifically. I really do like him, but there's no guarantee he can make this team. And John Herring agrees, special teams for Jay Kumaro. Yeah, if he makes a team, that's going to be his big spot. Uh, question is, does he take a gunner spot and maybe unass the Taiwan Jones? I don't know if it's that serious. Uh, my next show will be quarterbacks and running backs, so that'll I got to put those guys together so I have enough people to talk about to fill an hour. Um, I could really spend an hour just talking about Josh, but you know, yeah, was you know, everybody does that, so I'd rather you know kind of talk about everybody, get everybody their 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 limelight for their time on my show. But Jay Kumaro, uh, I like it. You know, I think Isaiah McKenzie is being overlooked. I see I'm having a, or I see him having a big year with the absence of Beasley. I think so too. I think that I think that little dirty is gonna yeah always root for a little dirty. I do too. Um, I think that Isaiah McKenzie's his fate is is in his hands. Right, he is in control of his own fate. He goes out there and balls. He's gonna get what he he deserves. If he goes out there and he doesn't ball, he's still going to get what he deserves. But I think that little dirty, that, that man's got potential. He really does. I think that he can really do something. He just has to go out there and do it. Next up, Tanner Gentry. So this third week of OTAs, apparently he was balling out. Uh, I was watching shows by Matt Perino and um, Joe Marino. And... Matt Perino specifically mentioned Tanner Gentry and how he destroyed Christian Benford on a few plays. He had four big catches, you know, did his thing. Uh, granted, that's against somebody who's probably going to be on the practice squad or moving to safety, but still going out there and doing well. Uh, he hasn't put up any NFL stats, but his RAS score is 4.82. And it's 40 times 4.58, which is a little bit on the slower side. But the kid's got moves. He, he, he can run routes pretty well. Uh, he's still needs development, but the question is, is his age going to pass his time for development? You know, like, is he not going to develop fast enough? Granted, practice squad, you don't have to be a certain age or have any, you know, certain amount of seniority in the NFL anymore. But eventually they're going to let him go like they did Duke Johnson back in the day or Duke Williams back in the day. Dekeel specifically, the one from the CFL. And he's going to have to, you know, find something else to do. But until then, he'll be on the practice squad. That's just what I think. So when you draft a Shakir and you sign Austin, McKenzie is in a tenacious spot. He got to show it every day. That's a fact. He does. All those guys play best in the slot. Yeah. Yep. Well, Shakir can play both inside and outside. So I I'm not sure if I I'm with you on that one specifically, but Crowder, McKenzie, Touchdown Jesus, those guys play best in the slot. And touchdown Jesus is a, a slot guy who is bigger. He's six foot plus. The bigger slot. 
But Tanner Gentry, you know, no, no statistics yet. I was looking it up. Nothing for 2021. Was on a practice squad. That's what he was relegated to. That's what it is. You know, uh, does he have potential to make the team? Sure. Now, Isaiah Hodgins. This man has dealt with injuries since we drafted him. Sorry about the dogs. They're downstairs. I think my son forgot to close my attic door, so you hear him a little bit more. But Isaiah Hodgins, we all had such high hopes for this kid. Even as a seventh-round pick, people were saying he could have been drafted in the fourth round. Davis could have been drafted in the seventh, and these these fates could be flipped entirely. I'm not sure if that's true. You know, his RAS score is 7.52, which is solid. Even with a 4.6140, that means that he's explosive throughout his routes. He's got good jumping ability. He high points catches, but the injuries are really what's killing him. You know, if he's not injured at all, we might not even be talking about holding on the touchdown, Jesus. It might be Hodgins making him irrelevant, but Hodgins just every year just can't stay healthy. And with one of the best training staffs in the NFL, I said it again one of the best training staffs in the NFL, you can't stay healthy. This is a problem that, that may be something deeper than what you know, NFL training staffs can actually handle. We'll see what he can do. And if he can stay healthy, he may be able to make an impact. Uh, that Again, that six wide receiver spot is up for grabs. It really is. Um, but I just I wish he could stay healthy and, and really show us what he could do. But again, no stats for him because practice squad and injuries. So, you know, I don't know, man. This, I, I like the kid. He's got a good attitude. He works hard, but he just can't stay on the field. And Isaiah Hodgins could easily be in Gabe Davis's shoes, but dude can't. Yeah, exactly, man. He just he can't stay healthy. Availability is the best ability. Yes, it is. And you hear this all the time from coaches. Like, if you can't be here, then we can't we can't grade you. We can't, you know, account for you. We can't do anything for you. You're just not, you know, you're not someone who we can count on to stay healthy. And that's just not something that they're going to look for. And eventually they'll move on for him, too, if he can't stay healthy. He's going into year three of practice squad duties, potentially. He might get his cut this year. It's, it's very possible. He could. He could get cut this year. And that's that's a shame. That's a, that's a real shame. Next and last is Neil Pau. He went to BYU. His, his RAS score was unrecorded. I'd looked everywhere for it. Couldn't find it. He ran a 4.72. He is a camp body, in my opinion. Um, he had 436 receptions for 526 yards and six touchdowns. Not bad for, you know, Division One, you know, FCS. But, yeah, I just, I don't, or F, uh, I get those two confused, FCS, FBS. Um, BYU could go to a championship if they were good enough, but, you know, they haven't been forever. But I, I, I see him being a camp body and then cut, probably not a practice squad guy. We have too many other guys ahead of him. He's the 11th receiver on this team. Unless he shows out in training camp and takes somebody's practice squad spot, he's not going to make it. It's potential that, you know, he does the Victor Cruz thing and, and lights it up. Uh, let me see something real quick. Uh, pardon me. I, I like to look stuff up as I go. Yeah, no, it's not happening. Rick Cruz ran a 4.47. This guy ran a, you know, 4.72. It's not, it's not close. If you're in a 4.27, maybe, but. Yeah, I don't see it. I don't see it happening for for Neil Pau. I'm glad that he got on with the team and he'll get an opportunity and teams will be able to look at him and he might see some reps in the preseason. Um, but he's really going to have to work hard and, and he's really going to have to be a good route runner to make this team. I don't see it happening, but it's it's possible. We've seen stranger things happen, right? And uh, you know that that's the wide receiver group, man. The, the wide receivers they've got potential, a lot at the top, and then you know at the bottom, uh, you know, but you know possibly who was the last guy before this guy? Isaiah Hodgins, he's got potential if he can get on the freaking field. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Um, again, I don't see anything out of Neil Pau. And that's where I stand with those guys. Right, And I forgot to put the banner up for the wide receivers. But, you know, I did have one. There it is. Woo! Wide receivers already done. But next up is the tight ends. Right? Next up is the tight ends. And, you know, the first guy up, of course, is Dawson Knox. Dawson Knox is a physical freak. When it comes to RAS scores, again, they're out of 10. He scored a 9.23 this year. You know, 40-yard time of 4.59, which is really solid for a tight end. You see some faster, but most of them are in that 4.5 to 4.8 range, especially as pass catchers. Um, if you look at a lot of the guys, you know, uh, Travis Kelsey and uh, – 
freaking uh, George Kittle. They're probably within that same range. Four six one for Travis Kelsey, and uh, you just put Kittle. Uh, four five two for four for uh, George Kittle. You know, Knox is between those two guys. It's a solid forty. It is what it is. Dawson Knox had a blow up year this year, which I predicted he would. I said third year for the tight ends is really the big year. Dawson Knox put up 49 receptions, 587 yards, and nine touchdowns. He really maximized those targets for touchdowns. He really maximized those. You know, he, And he really decreased the amount of drops he had this year. His drop percentage really fell off by like 50%. Dawson Knox is top five. It's hard to say he's top five. I'd say he's he's somewhere between four and ten. Right, So you have your top four guys, which are Kelsey, Kittle, Waller, and Andrews for the Ravens, then I'd say Knox is somewhere from five to ten. He's in that range. But yeah, I'd say I'd say he's potentially five. He's pro- possibly number five. Uh, but that's nothing to you know complain about. You know, you have a top five, you know, tight end, and then Stefan Diggs. This guy's going to find himself open quite a bit. He's going to find himself open quite a bit. Yeah, exactly what I said. You know, I, I see him in the top 10, uh, you know, somewhere between 5 and and 10, somewhere in that range. He could be 7. You know, there's some other guys out there who are really good. You got, um, I forget the guy who's with the Lions. You got Dallas Goddard for the Eagles. You've got uh, Gasecki for the Dolphins, who Dawson Knox very well, very much outplayed this year. Uh, you've got Zach Ertz out there. There's There's some good tight ends out there. There's some good tight ends out there, but I think Dawson Knox is somewhere between 5 and 10. But, you know, again, not a bad season. Nothing to complain about. Dawson Knox went out there, and he balled out. And if he does it again this year, he's going to be looking at, at big numbers to to stick around with the Bills as a tight end. You know, depending on the production of some other players, you know, he may be the guy they choose to keep. Second up, O.J. Howard. Now, I have him second up for the reason that he has the most potential out of the other guys, in my opinion. He has done nothing in OTAs, though. He hasn't looked great. Um, maybe still figuring out the offense. You know, he came from a simpler offense with Tom Brady. Uh, not say that Tom Brady runs a simple offense, but the, the the way that they scheme for their weapons is simpler. Dawson Knox is a very smart player. Dawson Knox is a a guy who has a really high IQ. He's a former quarterback. You know, he diagnoses the field well. Imagine Dawson Knox at quarterback, freaking six foot six. 260 pounds of twisted steel and sex appeal out there just murking people at quarterback. Like we see we see Josh Allen out there stiff arming people. Just imagine somebody like Dawson Knox playing quarterback. That would be insane. Um, I don't know if he has the arm skills that that Josh has, but just on the run play specifically, I'd be crazy. But OJ Howard, you know, 9.76 RAS score, right? That is higher than you know Dawson Knox's, and he's faster than Dawson Knox with a four five one. But he's not found his rhythm yet in the, in the NFL. He started off fast his first couple of years. He looked really good. They brought in Gronk, and you know, all of a sudden, you know, he's kind of relegated to the background. 14 receptions, 135 yards, and one touchdown last year. That's good for like two games. It's like two games. Uh, I don't know if he played only two games. I can look that up too because I want to know. OJ Howard, how many games did you play last year? Because you played like eight games, and you, that's all you did. And you know, you you got you got to step it up, baby, because that's not. That's not good enough. So last year, he played in 17 games. All 17 games. My man's got to step it up. He got to step it up. OJ Howard is going to resurrect his career this year. Look, I'm hoping so. If he can do it anywhere, it's with Josh Allen or with the Patrick Mahomes or with a Aaron Rodgers. But he's actually got to go out there and do it. He's got to do the work. He's got to be successful. And he's got to trust the process and trust the system he's in. He's really got to go out there and, and get to his fundamentals. And that may be where he lacked also injuries and coming to this all-world training staff. Oh, how many times am I going to say it? Over and over and over. Yeah, I know. I'm, I feel like uh, Ken Dorsey the other day when I watched his video and he said, uh, what was the word he said? You know? He said, you know, a whole lot. You know what I mean? You know? You know? Uh, I say tra- I say training staff a lot because the Bills have one of the best. And when we, the Bills tend to bring in guys who have been injured – like Jameson Crowder, like O.J. Howard. The list goes on of guys that have been injured that we've brought in, and then they've played very well. 
and been successful. And their availability as the best ability has been better. So we'll see. Uh, Isaiah Hodgins, that, that, that one guy, Jesus. Ugh. Even Matt Milano's been hurt before, but he's always come back. Always come back. Not sure how many opportunities Howard will actually get. That's true because of the wide receiver depth that we have. You know, we have a top five of guys who who we are pretty sure are all going to make the roster. And then you have Dawson Knox ahead of him. But if you want to run double tight end sets, you may put him in there. You may put Gilliam in there. And we have a couple of the tight ends to talk about, uh, one of which has really, you know, put on in training camp or OTA so far. But we'll, we will get to talk about. Also, Dawson Knox has not been in OTAs because of uh, injury he's nursing. He had a procedure done. I believe it was on his hand. But Dawson Knox will be ready for training camp, I believe, and for the beginning of the season. So I'm not worried about him. O.J. Howard's been out there, though. He's, he's been the number one tight end, I guess. It's not been really impressive. But he, he just got here. He may need time to you know build the rapport. Tommy Sweeney, he's also not in OTAs. He's also not practicing. Um, He's flashed. He's flashed. You know, he's, he's shown the ability to catch the ball. He did, he has had a couple of key drops, but he's also had some nice catches, especially on the sideline and in the end zone. Uh, he had one touchdown this year. You know, it was a very nice one. It was a very nice one. Uh, he had a RAS score of 5.19, 40-yard dash of 4.83, so a little on the slower side for a pass catcher, but we all think of him more as a blocker, but he can catch. He can run decent routes, and – you know, he's viable as a second or third tight end option. I think more as a third option. But, you know, last year he was a second option, and he he did okay. You know, nine nine receptions for 44 yards, one touchdown. We didn't do a whole lot of double tight ends, and he didn't go in there for knots very often. It is what it is, but he may outshine, you know, O.J. Howard, and O.J. Howard might find himself on the way out early. Uh, I really do like O.J. Howard potentially, but he's going to have to outduel Sweeney. And two other guys. So Sweetie was a very poor blocker lesson. Okay, so that means he fell off on what he we thought he was. We thought he was a, a blocker because that that forty time is not it for you know a receiver. It's just not it. Um, but Tommy Sweeney's gonna have to go in there and prove it if he wants to keep his job and be on his roster. But the Bills staff, generally speaking, likes to keep the guys that they drafted on the team. That's just the way they've been. Uh, oh. We're talking about run blocking. Okay. Well, yeah, run blocking is really what we're looking for out of our tight ends. You know, most time in passing downs, they're going to go out and, you know, go for, you know, receptions. On occasion, you'll keep an extra tight end in there, you know, if you're having a hard time with certain defensive lines. But, yeah, run blocking is really their blocking assignment. Now, next guy, Quentin Morris. Tight end Quentin Morris um, from Bowling Green. He had no stats last year. Rad score of 6.9, so not bad. 40-yard dash of 4.66, also not bad. About, about the range you want from a pass-catching tight end. If he can make some noise in training camp, he could, you know, he could unass freaking Tommy Sweeney and or O.J. Howard. Uh, he wasn't a draft pick, though, so that does go against him when it comes to Tommy Sweeney. Uh, but you never know. If he goes out there and he balls out, this is, I think, his second or third year with the team, could be a thing. But, you know, physically. He's a specimen, very solid, but he's kind of that outside-looking-in guy, that practice squad guy, that guy who, say, Dawson Knox get hurt and you got O.J. Howard and Sweeney and you need another tight end to jump into the game, Quentin Morris could be that guy. You know, he could be that guy you call up to to be the you know third tight end on the 53. That doesn't mean he'll be part of the 47 that suits up that day, though, because remember, only 47 suit up. It's not 46 or 47. I believe it's 47. You know, six guys sit every Sunday. Six or seven guys sit. Uh, so if you have 47 out there, 48, 49, 50, 51, 52, 53. So yeah, so if it's 47, you know, it is what it is. Yes, uh, Morris was an undrafted rookie free agent out of Bowling Green last year. Not last year. Uh, I believe it was the year before. Could have been last year. I could be wrong. Uh, shoot, I could look that up. I'll just go to the Bills website because it's easier that way. I don't have to type as much. Team, let's go. Position. Quite a ways down there. Tight end, Quentin Morris. So last year was his first year. This will be his second year in the NFL. So he's got potential to, to really, you know, make noise if he if he goes out there and balls out. He's faster than uh, Sweeney. 
and their RAS score is, you know, not close really, not in my opinion. It's, it's more than a full point ahead. He's also, you know, one and a half tenths of a second faster in the 40. That's a big deal. Um, the question is, can he make the routes and he, can he block? If he can block better than him, he can run the routes and catch. He can find himself as the third tight end on his team. Uh, but he's going to have to go out there and do it. Just like everybody else, got to go out there and do it, got to prove it, just like Lil Dirty trying to take that you know, fourth receiver spot or getting ahead of Jamison Crowder as number three and making Crowder be the gadget guy because Crowder runs gadget plays well too. Crowder does the end arounds and, uh, you know, wide receiver screens just fine too. Uh, you, you could relegate him to that if Isaiah McKenzie outshines him, but he's got to go out there and do it. And so does Crowder and everybody else. Khalil Shakir go out there and ask them, go and be the number three wide receiver. Uh, I doubt that they want to do that with two young guys and Gabe Davis and Khalil Shakir, but if they're the best options, that's who you go with. That's how it works. But our coaching staff, we all know, likes to take their time with prospects. They don't like to just throw them in there and, you know, allow them to cook too early. Like they, they like to give them a little seasoning, you know, put them in the fridge, let them, you know, marinate for a year, maybe two, almost almost a year sometimes. You know, Matt Milano played, I think it was 10 to 11 games into his first season after they realized he was better than Ramon Humber. But that's what that's what, that's what what we're talking about, that, that they like to have a guy sit down and simmer for a little bit. And that could be what they're doing with Quentin Morris. They could be marinating him last year and put him on simmer this year, and then the next year he take off. Look at Dawson Knox. Again, year three in the NFL is when he took off. They have time to wait with a Quentin Morris. And if he goes out there and he shines in training camp and preseason, they could keep him as the third guy. And if things don't work out with Dawson Knox in his uh, contract dispute, they have a guy on the roster that could compete for the number one tight end job the next year. Compete, not take. I don't think that this team gives anybody anything. When are you doing your way too early 53-man roster projections? So that'll probably be after I'm done breaking down all the uh, positions on the team. Uh, offensive and defensive line are, are not – or not really anything to break down right now because they're not hitting pads aren't on. So there's no, uh, there's no damage being done. There's no real thing. They're just hitting pads. They're hitting pads. They're hitting the sleds. You know, they're running, they're sprinting. They're, you know, they're getting their physical fitness acumen up. Um, but after I'm done, you know, breaking these down, I'd say I got next week's going to be wide receiver or quarterbacks and running backs. The next week will be the defensive line. The week after that will be linebackers. And then the last week will be the secondary after that. So I'd say six weeks. Six weeks will probably close to the start of training camp will be when I get in there. Uh, I may, you know, jump bunch up some groups uh, together like linebackers and secondary because they're kind of the same thing for this team. We run a lot of nickel. You see Matt Milano and Edmonds in coverage a lot. And, you know, pass rushers and defensive line may be, you know, maybe, you know, all the same thing. You're going to see Von Miller line up inside, outside, linebacker. You're going to see you know, linebackers as a rusher. You're going to see, you know, Shaq Lawson, you can see all these guys move inside and out depending on the situations. Uh, I think that my 53-man roster will be in the next four to six weeks. Four to six weeks. So I got, again, quarterbacks, wide receivers. Then it's probably going to be uh, the front four for the defensive line. And then it may be either linebackers and then uh, secondary or the back seven, I may call it. Just depends. We'll see. Um. But yeah, we'll we'll get there. No worries. I'm gonna do a two way too early 53 man roster, uh, well before any cuts happen or any you know significant cuts, you know to 70 or I think they cut right to 53. They stay at 90 until 53, which to me is both more difficult and easier. Like you get more time to evaluate these guys, but giving you more time to evaluate these guys may make it harder to choose who you're gonna cut. Like if some guys just struggling early, they may come on late. And you're like, ah, oh, but I was going to cut him if we cut the 70. There's, there's a lot to it. it it's, it's tough. But I think that I'll have enough information closer to the start of training camp, um, especially with mandatory mini camps coming up. This is OTAs right now. You have mandatory mini camps where they put on the pads and training camp will start. There's going to be a, some, some, real, some real stuff to look into here coming soon. It's going to start ramping up real quick. Uh, granted, not fast enough for the season to start because I can't wait. For this season, I can't wait. But last but not least, uh, this guy's been very polarizing, you know, uh, when it comes to the combine, draft, not drafted, uh, and 
you know, his real potential versus his physical ability. And that is Jalen Weidermeyer. Now, his RAS score is based on his combine stuff, which was poor. It was really poor. He ran a 5.02.40, but he said he was sick. He wasn't feeling well, and that's why he had a poor combine. Now, in my opinion, and to the opinion of many other Bills content creators, if you're not feeling good at the combine, don't do it. Don't participate. Go to your your um your school, right, and do your your pro day, and let that speak for itself. A lot of players skip the combine. A lot of them don't have reasons. They just don't do the combine because they want their pro day to speak for itself. A lot of guys are hurt and have to wait to their pro days. If you're sick, you can wait to your pro day. Right? Wait to your pro day. You went to a big school. It was a And M. I'm pretty sure. Let me go ahead and double check because I still got it open, baby. Yep, he went to Texas A and M. He was a very good tight end there. His 2021 NCAA stats, 40 receptions, 515 yards. So he's getting more than 10 per, per clip. He's getting he's getting around 12, 12 uh, yards per reception. Four touchdowns. Right? For 40 catches, that means every 10 catches he's scoring a touchdown, right? This guy, if he's not lying or if he's just not wrong, it, it would be lying. If he wasn't sick and he just performed poorly, then, you know, it is what it is. But if he is telling the truth and his physical acumen is better than what his RAS score and his combine results were, this guy could be a steal as an undrafted free agent because he was projected to be a higher draft pick. He was predicted to be like a third to fifth round pick, and he fell out of the draft entirely because of that freaking combine. It was terrible. It was really bad. And... You know what do you what do you say about that? It's it, it's it's a, it's unfortunate because you want to see guys succeed. You know, even if it's not with the Bills. You know, his projected forty time was four point seven zero, but he ran a five zero two. Like so, question is, what's real with this guy? We don't we don't know what's real with this guy. We have no idea what's really happening between the ears. What's really happening? When it comes down to it, um, but we're gonna have to see in camp. They're gonna have to trust the tape on this guy, and you know, no one really does that better than Brandon Bean. Let me see. Weidemeyer will be interesting to watch in preseason. Exactly, yeah. If he goes out there and he balls out, he could jump Quentin Morris and Tommy Sweeney. And if OJ Howard doesn't do a damn thing, he could jump him too and be tight end too. The, the tight end room is one of the more interesting rooms on the team. It really is because we got five guys, burgers and fries, who are on the roster, and we have no idea who TE2 is, especially with the way Howard's been producing. It's it's crazy. You know, like, we, we have no idea what this guy really is because he claims one thing, the combine was another, but then the projection is what he claimed it would be. His play on the field shows that he's better than that. But a lot of guys perform in college and do crappy at the combine. Dry throat, drink my Pepsi. All right. Not sponsored, but let me some Pepsi. But, man, like, a lot of guys go to the combine and perform like crap, but they play decently, you know, at their school. Like a Balin Spector, who played well at Clemson. But his physicality numbers were just not really up to par when it comes to being drafted. He got drafted in the seventh round. Why? Because physical specimen-wise... He's only six foot, but he's 230. So he's the right weight for a linebacker. But is he the right height? Not really. He's six foot. He's he's Matt Milano's six two. He's taller than him. Tremendous is six foot four, six foot five. You know, um Terrell Bernard, he's six foot one, you know, maybe six foot. But you get the idea. Like a lot of these guys, you know, they come out and they don't get drafted high for the reasons that be. And, you know, why why else would it be you went out there you put it out put out a piss poor performance and it, it wasn't good so now we're looking at you like you're crazy Terrell Bernard 6'1 224 Bale Inspector 6 foot and and I hope that Weidemeyer comes out there and I hope I hope he's great I really do because then you have a guy like Weidemeyer who belongs to you as an RDFA or excuse me an an RFA, a restricted free agent, for the next four years, where you can put, you know, a first round 
or second round or you know whatever tag on him. So if you want to come get him, then you can get him, but you're going to pay us for it. But if he's that good, that gives you flexibility with Knox. I don't I don't know if he's going to be that good though because Knox is a beast. But you never you never know. And these these players really 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 have to put their 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 best foot forward when it comes to camp. You have to go out there and you have to perform. Camp preseason. Right, go out there and do your best. Ball out, entrench yourself in the playbook. Entrench yourself with your player, your fellow players. Get a hold of your quarterback. Find out what he likes. Do you like to throw the back shoulder? Do you like me to run this route more in or out? Do you like me better inside the hashes or outside the hashes? If I run this freaking inside out move, you know, like a slant and go out. Do you want me to cut that short to five yards? Or should I cut it to three? Do you want me to go the full ten? Do you like me to slowly go to it and then make my break? Like, what do you like? You're going to have to go in there and really get down with the coaches and, and ask for extra work, especially as an undrafted free agent. That's just the way it is. And when I saw the videos of him on YouTube and seeing how, you know, he was going to Buffalo and he was excited to be in the NFL, even though he wasn't drafted and he felt, you know, besmirched by not being drafted. Go out there and prove it, bro. Get that chip on your shoulder. Get out there. Kick some ass in camp. Kick some ass in OTAs. Go to training camp. Come to Rochester. Well, I'm from Rochester, but I don't live there. But go to my hometown. Show out. Show up. And win the freaking job. Win the damn job. Right? That, that's what you got to do. You got to win that damn job. That's, that's your only job, really, outside of, you know, all the other stuff that it, that it takes to get there. Your job is to win the job. To be on this 53. If you want to be on here, go get it. Go get it. And Jalen Watermeyer, if he is the physical specimen he claims to be, he will do it. But like my man Lone Wolf said, will the real Watermeyer please stand up? Please, sir. If you are really a beast, stand the hell up. Because we can use as many beasts as possible. Because I want a Super Bowl ring here in Buffalo. I want a Super Bowl ring here in Buffalo. I want a, I want a trophy in that case that's after the AFL. I would like to make the AFC East the the second division in football to have all four teams win Super Bowls, and we're the last ones to do it. We're the last ones to do it. That hurts my pride just a little bit, but I'm always going to be a Bills fan every damn day for the rest of my life. Jalen Watermeyer, go out there. Prove it, big boy. Prove it, big boy. Because this team, this team really needs everybody. Everybody. Because if somebody goes down and you're up, we need you to do what you can do. We need you to do everything possible to win this game, win the Super Bowl, to win in the playoffs, to get us there. Because getting there is what you got to do first. Right? This isn't the NCAA of old where, you know, they vote you into the national championship. No, no, no. This is the NFL. You go to the playoffs. There's seven teams per conference. Bills are most likely going to be either the one or the two seed this year. And no matter how you break it down, Everybody's going to have to be on their P's and Q's. Everybody's going to have to be on their game. Everybody's going to have to produce. Everybody who steps in that field is going to have to be Simon of sound and technically sound. Does everybody understand that? And I'm talking to the players and us fans. We really, really, really need to get behind these players. We really need to show them what the Bills Mafia is really about. We need to go out there and support everybody. If your guy doesn't make the team, don't worry about it. They might be on the practice squad. You know, they might not be the right guy. Cheer who's here. Let's go, Bills. This has been the Red Zone Report. Hang on, I got one more comment. Let's go. What's up, Peter? I got to have you on the show one of these days. Probably for my, uh, my as um, the question I was asked earlier, what is it? For this question here, Izzy, when you're doing your way too early 53-man roster projections, I might have to have you on for that, man. And see what yours are. We'll, we might have to do that together. But um, guys, it has been my pleasure to be here with you guys. You know, talking about the tight ends and the wide receivers. Uh, I think I got a little more fired up for the tight ends because I think I already know who the top five receivers are. And if we only go with five receivers, we know it's going to be Diggs, Davis, McKenzie, Crowder, Shakir. Those five are guaranteed. No one else is. If they go six. It's a shuffle. It's a shuffle. But at tight end, man, from tight end two and on is real questionable. It's real tough to predict. 
and I'm open for surprises. So let's go, Bills. Excuse me. Let's go, Bills. Choose love, and I'm out.